0: And others, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Boster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. When where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point all right happy wednesday everyone this is rob foster back with episode number 91 so i I love it i'm pretty sure everyone remembers those geico commercials with the camel walking around saying guess what day it is and so it's not Hunk Day anymore. I do it with, with, with my kids now. I walk in the door from the gym and I'm like, what day is it, kids? It's like podcast day. See, so I get all, get all hyped up when it's podcast day. So, And why is that? Because I get to know another person and make a new friend. And we get to share our knowledge and our expertise with all of you. But before we get there, you know I got to pimp the new show. So starting on June 7th. That'll be every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern have a new debate show starting called We Bout to Get Deep with Robert B. Foster. We're gonna know that voice crack right there. All right, so we're gonna take controversial topics, but we're gonna have rational and adult conversations about those topics, right? So the first one is gonna be, should critical race theory be taught in elementary schools? All right, so I got five people from all around the world to join me in that conversation. And some people are for it, some people are against it, and we're going to talk about it. So that's said it. It's going to be every Monday, and I have guests booked out into October. So we have five guests for every single show. So that's going to be a good one. It's going to be informative. And like I said, it's going to be rational. It's not going to be one of these scream fests where everybody's talking over each other and insulting people's intelligence. Like that's There's other channels for that. So we're going to take these topics, and we're going to work towards real solutions because that's how you change the world. Anybody can argue. But... The argument has to lead towards a solution. So that's going to be that show, June 7th. And we all know about the Grind Gear, which... Oh, I do do have one. Okay, right here. Shut Up and Grind. We got t-shirts. We have everything. We have everything. Just check check it out. Shutupandgrindgear.com. We have everything. All right. So for today, we are going to talk about you and your health, right? So we know there's lots of things out there that can teach you about, you know, boosting your, boosting your immune system, you know, nat- natural medicine, natural healing. But it's, I always say, don't go by what, what you read, listen to someone who's, who's the, who actually did it, who is doing it, and is showing others how to do it. And so my guest today is one of those people right? So she's going to drop some knowledge. I went through her website. She's got a lot of great stuff going on in there. So if you're someone that not necessarily is afraid of traditional medicine, but you want something more natural, something that's that's real and it's not just, you know, some fad product out there that's, you know, going to make somebody a quick buck and then they're, they're going to vanish. And this is the woman that you want to listen to, all right? So as we spend the next 53 minutes or so, we're going to dive into her backstory and found out, and find out how she became Mama Vega, right? So who is she? She is a mom. She's a functional nutritionist. She's a chef, an author, a speaker, and CEO of Mama Vega Enterprises, where she helps people boost their immune system and much more. We'll discuss them much more during the show. So she wants you to know that one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be someone else's survival guide. Welcome to the show, Charmaine Vega. Hi, Welcome. how are you? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
1: You know, you know, with, with COVID and all, some of us get the shot, some of us don't. So yeah. we, we may get into that. We may not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my one uh, one of my topics for, for the new show, too. You know, so because there's two sides to it, every story. You know? Every story. So, yeah. And, and it's about it's just about understanding the, the other side. See, what, what happens with these shows is people try so hard to shove their opinion down everyone else's throats rather than sitting back and letting the other person articulate their, their position and then just see where they're coming from. Well, I'm sure you know you've heard what my mother
1: always says. There's actually three sides to a story, yeah, not that, two. That's true. That's true. <laughs> your side, my side, and the truth, because there's something in between if you pull
0: from both sides. So yeah, that's that kind is of what I look at. That is true. Like that's honestly, that's my political stance. It's like you're like you kind of got to pay attention to both sides, and then somewhere in the middle there that's where it all lies. Absolutely. All right. So you're out there in California.
1: Yes. Good old sunny California.
0: (laughs) Nice. Are you Southern?
1: I'm actually Central.
0: I was,
1: I was in Southern California for over 20 some odd years, like 30 years. Okay. And Two years ago, I moved to Central California. Central California is the breadbasket of the nation. So that's where mm. the farmland is. You get most of the nuts around the world and you know things of that nature. So it's it's good. It's good living.
0: Yeah. I went to Sacramento in July of 2019 with my son for a track meet and it was hotter than <laughs> hell. Ay, ay, ay. And
1: it's actually it's actually Sacramento is cooler than it is where I am. Really?
0: <laughs> no kidding. It was 106 degrees at this boys' track meet. Yes <laughs> now, we're now at 99 here. Yeah, yeah um, I have a fr- friend that's, that's out there, and she, was, she sent a screenshot of it being '99. And to put it in perspective, three weeks before that track meet, school was actually closed here in Rhode Island because it was 92 degrees. All right, they they closed all the schools, and they, we're out there, 106 degrees, and and attract me for hours. <laughs> I was like, something's wrong here.
1: <laughs> yes, we believe in getting out there. You know, that's that's why you'll see us on the beaches. You know, that's the beauty of being in California. You know, you have the hot yeah. temperature, but if you want cool, all you have to do is maybe an hour away, you can go up into the mountains because they have the mountains, the elevation, waterfalls. Yeah. You know, you have it all.
0: Yeah. So it's We're good here. All right. So let's get to know, to know you better. So give me your, uh, your quick summary of who is Charmaine? Um, I was thinking about that, you know, cause people want to always ask that question and you,
1: you usually get the standard answer. Yeah. Um, I probably want to say Charmaine Vega is a sponge. Okay. And the reason I say that is because sponges take in information. They also give out information. So for me, I'm a sponge, but I'm a sponge where that's who I am as a mother, as a daughter, as a, you know, as a grandmother, as a teacher, as a speaker, because in order for me to be good at each one of those things, I have to constantly be taking in the information and observing each one of those situations because they're not all the same. What I'm going to say to one person, I'm not going to say to another. So I have to take in that information, absorb it, and then give out the other end what I think that person is going to be able to absorb themselves. So I would say that that's probably who I am. And you know, um, and you know, that's a nicer way of saying chameleon. <laughs> 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 Being able to do that and having a special education background, you know, I tell people that what I do is I get you to change your behavior and make you think it was your idea.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it! <laughs> I love that. So one thing you mentioned about, you know, like the way you take in information, someone else may take it in differently. Yes. And 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 I feel like when you're trying to to educate people, that's huge. That that that. that so growing up, what what was your your big dream?
2: Believe it or not, <laughs> growing up, I wanted to be a police officer. Okay. Um, And so I mentioned that I wrote books as a, as a kid, I wrote 11 books between the ages of eight and 12. One of those books, actually it was a series, but one of those series was the police life of Jude Charles. Um, Because I always wanted, I just, part of it was the adrenaline of the high speed chases that I used to see on TV. But the other part was even today, I still believe that I'm a detective, right? I, even when I'm telling other people's stories, I'm really digging for the truth. I'm digging for the thing. Like most people tell you what's the stuff that's on the surface. Yep. I'm digging for stuff beneath the surface. Yes. Um, and so for me, it was always like that was always my dream was like I wanted to be a police officer. Um, and obviously I didn't end up doing that, but, but that was always what I wanted to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Like
0: I wanted to be a carpenter Ah, Okay. (laughs) and now I fixed up with duct tape and super glue. (laughs) All the way through college, you know, I've taught it though. So
1: that's also how they're going to absorb it. You know, what are they going to do? You learn how to do those things. So for me, I understand what you're saying because I had to learn how
0: to navigating you know cutting stuff sewing stuff and I was like you know I, I could see myself doing this but then you know I'd get my first home entertainment center That all you have to do is just like put it in and sc- oh no I couldn't do it <laughs> leftover pieces leftover parts it collapsed <laughs> like, oh, wow. this is yeah. not for me <laughs> yeah
2: yeah oh, my That's
0: God. <laughs> all right, so so what was it like growing up in Florida
2: um I mean it was amazing I so I still live in Pompano Beach, Florida. One of the main reasons, even though I travel a lot, one of the main reasons is because there's for me, there's just no place like Pompano Beach, Florida. Yeah, we don't normally get a winter down here. We basically are hot 24 <laughs> seven. Um, but growing up, I think it was I grew up in a big family household at one at any one time. There were six of us, six other siblings living in the house. Yeah, um, grew up with both of my parents. My my dad was a construction worker. My mom worked at a chair factory. Um, And so, I mean, honestly, it was a good upbringing. I we weren't wealthy by any means, but um, I also didn't have this feeling like uh, we didn't have enough or I never I never went without food on the table or or anything like that. Um, It was it was a great upbringing for me. I think the only difference is that I'm the youngest of all of my siblings. And then the sibling that comes before me is only six years older than me. So there was always this big gap um when it comes to like you know my siblings would be out doing something but i couldn't because i was much younger and so i think that's why i fell in love with reading and writing um because that's what i always did every day i came from school it was always either just reading a book or writing starting to write a book once i got to eight nine years old
0: okay yeah yeah it's like i know i know that struggle There, there was a shorter gap with with us um like from where I am, the ne- my next sister is two two years, and my other sister is a year and a half from her. Yeah. And me and my one of my brothers, there's a five-year gap. But between all of us, I think between myself and my oldest sibling is about 14 years, 15 years, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, the my gap life.
2: for us is the oldest to the youngest is 19 years. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. And it's like we were all athletes. So oh, okay. for me being the baby, watching all of them – you know, excel and trying to do what they do. And I just wasn't there yet. I hit my growth spurt really late. So like my brother, my brother was all filled out muscles everywhere. And I was a sack of bones. (laughs) And it's like, it it just drew knowledge a year and a half. Mm. So that's the difference that that
1: actually makes. And so the problem with our educational system is they don't want to do it you know where they're interested in. They give them the standard word problems. Give them a word problem that's based on what they're interested in. You know they'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know? it's true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, like you know, my kids are into into video games, and like they're constantly talking about video games and video games. And so we'll, we'll be like out out at the basketball court or something. I'm like trying to trying to teach them to play to play defense, and it, and it's like you know it's just like in this game where you have to do X, Y, Z, it's, it's the same thing here, <laughs> you know? So, cause it's like, they always have the video games on the brain. So, exactly, you know, yes. Yeah. So I put it to them in the way that they, they get it. At the beginning
2: of the year. And she was just like, one of the questions on there was, do you see yourself doing this as a career? And I wrote down, yes, I wanted to be in broadcast, but I didn't know if I wanted to be in front of the camera. Cause I had tried that or behind the camera. And so she, I remember her asking me like, are you serious? Do you want to do this as a career? And I said, yeah. And so she taught me everything that she knew that year. And then by the end of that junior year, I'll never forget uh, May 5th, May 4th, 2006. She said to me, Jude, you're really, really talented at this. You should start a business. Wow. It's like. Okay, I was, but I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Like I mentioned, my dad is a construction worker. My mom was uh, worked at a chair factory. Yeah, none of my siblings at that time and even till today are not entrepreneurs. So I was just like, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, and so I kind of thought I, I, I didn't really answer her, and I just I left it up in the air. The following day, May fifth, two thousand six, that teacher, Mrs. Donnelly, came into the classroom with a yellow envelope, and she handed it to me, and I was like what is this? And she was like, open it up. And inside the yellow envelope was my first set of business cards for the video production company. No kidding. I don't know that I ever figured out that that police, being a police officer wasn't for me, but I figured out that I could make money doing something that I was good at. And there was this teacher that believed in me so much that she bought my first set of business cards. So from there, at 17 years old, I started the business and I just ran with it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Like like, some, and sometimes, you know, the, the universe works in mysterious ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't expect it. I mean, I think up until that point, again, like I said, I had been thinking about what, what am I going to do? Because 16, 17 junior in high school, you got to think about what's co- what's next in college and what do you want to major in? What college you even want to go to? Um, and definitely for me growing up, um, it was all about, you have to go to school. You have to get a degree. Yeah. You know, you have to get a good job. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it just for whatever reason, God put this teacher in my life and she didn't just stop at saying start the business. She went as far as saying, hey, here are the business cards. And she, what it did for me was it made me believe that all I needed was the business cards to get started in business. And to this day, I actually still on my desk, I still have the very first business card she ever gave me. I signed it, um, Love it. And because I knew it was something special about her giving me the business card. Now, I didn't know I would later on work with all the big people I worked with, but I think um, I knew that there was something special in this teacher giving me the business card.
0: Yeah. So, so she, g- she came with the message, but you received it.
2: Yeah, you know, like, yeah.
0: There's, a, there's a woman I've been working off and on with for two and a half years now, I want to say she's been through some some stuff in her life. Yeah. And I, keep, and I keep trying to help her see if you just come to grips with the stuff that you've been through, find a group that you can speak to yeah. of people who are freshly going through what you've been dealing with for years. Yeah. So it, I said two things are going to happen. Is you're gonna inspire them, you're gonna give them hope that they can get through it as well, but you're also gonna start to heal yourself. Mm. Now you're now you're starting to see the power in what you're working with. And yeah. but she's just not seeing it. And she keeps saying, like, you know, I'm just waiting for like a sign. I'm like, I've been telling you for two and a half years, God is throwing a sign in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. And you're not receiving it, you know. Yeah. So so you had the wherewithal to receive it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. so what were your next steps from there?
2: The next steps from there is that I just tried to figure it out. I failed the first five years in business, uh, mainly because I didn't understand marketing and sales. Um, and so I was doing like small birthday parties and retirement parties, uh, church events, just trying to figure out, OK, what what could I do that I, that I'm really good at and what's going to make me money? Um And so I struggled. I remember uh, starting to work with a woman by the name of Keisha Dior. She goes by Keisha Kayor now. Um, In 2009, 2010, we started working together. And it was the first time ever that I pitched a documentary to work on. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, I had worked on, like I said, birthday parties, retirement parties. I even got a little bit into uh, doing behind the scenes of music videos and and filming at nightlife events. So like it's big down here in South Florida. It, it, Miami is known for that, having oh, yeah. a lot of club events. And so I was filming all those things, but it really wasn't what was fulfilling for me. It wasn't like, I felt like I was using my talents to good use at that point. Yeah. But then I met Keisha and Keisha was starting a new business and she was starting a cosmetic business. Um, and she, at first she wanted to do vlog videos, but then I was like, I don't want to do vlog videos. What if we did a documentary? We literally showed, what you were doing to start this business from the ground up. And so we called the documentary Building the Brand. Um she had a, a, a very small following about two thousand people at that time. Yeah. And so um I filmed everything. I filmed her testing the different products. She was selling colored lipstick. So think of like blue, purple, mm. green lipstick. Back in 2010, those those colors weren't popular. Yeah. They're more popular now. But um so anyway we filmed that for a full year. And I remember waking up At seven o'clock one morning, hearing the sounds of chains hitting the floor. And it was always a nightmare of mine to hear these chains hitting the floor. And so I jumped up out of bed. I looked outside and what it was was a tow truck driver coming to repossess my car Mm -hmm. for the second time in eight months. Yeah. And I knew there was nothing I could do about it. I remember going back inside, sitting on the edge of my bed. With my hands in my, my my head in my hands, and I my phone ends up ringing, and on the caller ID is Keisha Dior calling me. And ironically, there's a knock at the door happening right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Remember, we talked about this, so I I I need to get that. Um, but give me two two seconds to go get that.
0: Yep. All right. So he is going to take a quick break. And so I want to talk really quick while he deals with that about my group, Speak About Yourself Out Loud. So this is where if you have something that you want to be able to ver- verbalize or turn it into a story, I help you out in this group. So it's robertbfoster.com slash thank-you-page. And that'll get you into my free group. And that'll also give you the workbook to where we can help you bring those stories to life. All right. And he's back. So here we go. All right.
2: Awesome. So yeah, that's very ironic how that happened, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, I remember getting the phone call from Keisha and Keisha, I was like, I don't know if I want to pick this phone up because in this moment that my car is getting repossessed for the second time in eight months, it'd been five years. I didn't go to college. So because I started the business at 17, I um, decided to go full throttle with it. I did try one year of college, but I was like, look, I'm doing this business. I got a big contract from the city that I live in to do video production. Let me I'll pause on school and I'll come back to it. Of course, I never did go back to it, Mm -hmm. but five years in and I'm still struggling to make. At that point, I was struggling to make 20,000 a year. Yeah and Keisha's calling me, and I was for one reason or another, I decided to pick it up, and when I pick it up, she's very excited on the other end, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on, Keisha? And she's like, you know, we've been doing this for 12 months. I put out the documentary. The business has been launched, and in 12 months, I just got off the phone with my accountant. He told me we made a million dollars. We Holy crossed God. over the seven-figure mark. Wow. And honestly, I couldn't believe it. Like, I pulled my the phone away from my ear, and I'm looking at the phone, and I'm just like, how could this be happening in this moment right now where I'm thinking of just calling it quits, mm. Keisha's calling me to tell me she's made a million dollars. And for context, I only made, at that point, $3,000 off of the documentary that I created for Keisha. Wow. And so, yeah, in that moment, I realized if Keisha could make a million dollars from something that I had created, this valuable content that I had created from her, the problem wasn't necessarily like there aren't clients out there willing to pay me. The problem was I needed to figure out how to properly sell and market my services. Yeah. right? And so those first five years I struggled. And yes, I almost did quit. But then I took a year off. I still continue to work with Keisha. We ended up working together for three years. But I took a year off to learn marketing and sales. And the big, now believe it or not, at that point in my career, the biggest aha when I went back to learn marketing and sales was that I just wasn't telling my own story. I wasn't telling clients about how I got started at 17 or how, you know, a teacher gave me my first set of business cards. It was more of like, I was just trying to sell them on. I could do a cool video for them. I could help them tell their story, but it wasn't, that's not what clients were really looking for. Yeah. Um, And so anyway, that's, that's kind of, that's been that journey up until that point, those first five years, I was just trying to figure out where, where do I fit? How do I make money? And in what way will I be able to get clients to pay me?
0: Well, our lives are very, very similar. Like I too hit that point where my car got repossessed twice. My mm. house house went into for, foreclosure, like, wow. you know, and same thing. I remember sitting in that gym on the floor with my hands over my heart thinking like, how am I, I going to do this? It's like, yeah. I knew how to train people. I knew how to connect with people. But same thing, I went to college, I dropped out three times and and I was like uh, same thing. My issue was I didn't know how, how to market. I had had a little yellow sign that said weight loss boot camp that was on the sidewalk, like that was the extent of my marketing. <laughs> yeah. And so th- same thing. So I bit the bullet and I went to this marketing seminar in Chicago. And then I got a scholarship for a fitness business summit out in California. Mm-hmm. And then I joined the mastermind group where, where we went mm-hmm. to Colorado. We went to Florida and somewhere else, uh, mm-hmm. Vegas. And yeah. so, but it's just into all these seminars and all these masterminds. I now have what people say is like a marketing, I mean, a marketing, a, a master's level marketing education. So there's other ways for people to get educated. Yeah, you know, yeah, like I was told, I was told the same thing. Oh, if you don't go to college, you're gonna end up pumping gas, and you know that's <laughs> far, that's far, far from from the truth. You know, yeah. far from the truth. But along the lines, what what you were saying, have you heard of Eric Thomas, the, the speaker?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so
0: so I joined his his um, speaker boot camp. We went down in Atlanta, and then we did another one in Miami, and like they completely transformed the way I told my own story. Like I've always mm. been a strong speaker. Yeah. But they helped me shift into becoming a storyteller. Yeah, and like, and there's there's definitely a difference.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a difference,
0: yeah. right? So, yeah. so once you started incorporating your whole story, how did things start to change for you?
2: Yeah, so there were two things I incorporated: one, telling my story, but two, and I didn't know what I didn't have a name for it. Now I do. I have a name for it called dramatic demonstration. But the other thing that I incorporated was giving the client a vision of what I would create for them. So what that means is like, I remember, so I took the year off. Um, I only worked with Keisha, did her documentary series. And then I remember getting a call from an interior designer and he wanted to, um, at the time he had called me to create a slideshow. And I was just like, I don't, I don't create slideshows. (laughs) And so he was like, well, you know, maybe we could start with this slideshow. And, but I really like what you created for that cosmetic woman. I was like, okay, fine. Let's let's have a conversation about it. Let's meet up about that. And so we met up. And at, again, like I said, at that point, I had learned marketing and sales. So now I'm trying to incorporate all of these things that I had learned. And so in the first meeting, you know, I'm asking him questions. I'm getting to learn more about him. I'm telling him some of my story. And then uh, we were going to have a second meeting where I could pitch him what my vision was for his project. And I remember I took a whole month before I pitched him because I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain on like, okay, how can I? Because I, like I said, I got... $3,000 for Keisha's project. I wanted to jump up to $15,000 mm. for this guy's project. yeah. Because I knew, like, if there was one thing that was going to make me happy, if I'm working on this guy's project for, let's say, three or four months, what is it that's going to make me happy? And be able to not not just pay the bills, but have profit on top of that. Yes, Right? Um, And so, but I was nervous. I was just like, I don't know if I could really do this. I went to pitch him. You know, I'm telling, I'm giving him the outline of where I see the project going. And then I show him a storyboard of how I want to create his project. So I'm showing him images of what, how I want to create his project. And I remember at the end, I tell him the price it's 15,000 and I'm just, and you know, I do the big gulp waiting Did for a cringe. Be, you're <laughs> right. And literally the next words out of his mouth is great. When do we start?
0: That's how you know you're undercharged them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they charged them. Yeah, if they don't balk at it, it's too low. It's too low, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: But for me, what it was is like, wait, that I, it, at that point it had never been that easy. Mm-hmm. It had never been that easy. And I remember asking him a few days later, I was just like, why did it, why was it so easy for you to say yes? He mentioned the storyboard, and at that mm-hmm. point, I had never done a storyboard, so I call it dramatic demonstration because it's this big lead up to. Me not just telling you what I'm going to do, but I'm showing you yes. what I'm going to do. Right. And so, um, and so, yeah, what changed was just that I knew how to pitch better. I knew how to not only incorporate my story, but I knew how to uh, demonstrate my expertise through this storyboard, through this what I call road mapping process now. Yeah. Um, and it's what led me to working with people like Steve Harvey, Google, Caldwell Banker, um, you know, all these big people later on, Les Brown it's because of telling my story, connecting with my story, but then also demonstrating the expertise, just like I'm on here with a podcast with you today. Yep. It's demonstrating the expertise that I've had over the 15, the last 15 years.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I do, I do something very similar. I just call it casting the vision. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause you have to help people see it, you know, yeah. cause like they can't see it until it's done. Yeah. So, you know, I don't really call it sales. It's all right, this is what you want. Now let's paint the picture. Right. You know, yeah. like you, you paint that picture well enough. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna buy in. Like like I said, I helped help the woman. I was on someone else's podcast. There were five of us, and the woman saw the, the shut up and grind over here. Mm, and okay. she's like she's like, What is that? And I was like, Oh, you know, said it's my coaching business and, and it's the name of my podcast. <clears throat> and she's like, Oh, so she, she said, you know, I think I wanna connect with you after the show. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right, cool. So we start talking and, you know, she has a fear of speaking on camera and like, she's a clinical psychologist. So she's wor- worried about her licenses and like things she can say, things she can't say. And, mm-hmm. and, and anyway, so, but just from speaking with her, same, same thing. I just painted the vision of what we could do, you know, painted yeah. the picture. Yeah. And she she was like, I'm in, <laughs> you know, I'm in. And so like, when you do it like that, it's not salesy and it's not sleazy. Because it's right, like, yeah. this is what you want. This is what we can do. And this is what it's going to look like. Yeah, what, do you, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah. And it, it's, it works so well because, especially as you're painting that picture, people are visual. We're yes. all visual. Like, yep. there's if there's one way to communicate, like, I know they say music is universal, but visuals are universal, too. Yes. Like, I could tell a whole story without ever saying a word if I provide the right visuals. Yep. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's it's when you're painting that picture, whether it's a whiteboard or you're literally showing images like what I did for the storyboard for that guy was I just pulled images off of line line Mm offline that I included in there because I didn't know how to draw. So I included the story, the the images in there just to show them, hey, here's what I'm looking for. But at the end of the day, we're all visual creatures, whether it's like a good meme that makes us laugh. But the meme tells a story. It gives us the image And when we get that image now, we we don't just think about what we're seeing. We believe in what we're seeing. Right. We believe in it. It's that belief that gets people across the finish line. Like I always say nowadays, you can't just tell a story. You got to be able to show the story at the Mm -hmm. same time. Um, You could do that physically as a speaker or you could do that with images and videos playing in the background as you're talking.
0: Yes, like I can't wait for stages to open again. It's like <laughs> yeah. like I'm I'm doing just fine in the virtual game, but yeah. I love I love live. Yeah. I I, oh, I I just I just love it. It's like I get people dialed in. Yeah, and it's like I'm very good at v- at verbally paint painting the picture as well too. But yeah, I I just love that feeling being in a room full of people and they're just locked in on you. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Such a such a great feeling.
2: Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is, and and I'm I'm looking forward to that day where we can get out and speak on stages again for sure. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So, so you you have that that first big sale. Yeah. And then what were your next steps from there?
2: Next steps was repeating it. So when I took that, that year off to learn marketing and sales, well, the first course that I took was a course called Earn 1K. Okay. And the thesis behind Earn 1K was that if you earn your first $1,000, all you have to do is repeat it. Yeah. If you learn how to do it the right way, you, all you got to do is repeat it. Yeah. And, of course, at that point, I had already earned $1,000. Before I'd even done this interior design project, I had already earned th- $1,000. But I needed to go back to the basics to learn how to do it right. Mm -hmm. so once i realized okay i knew how to do it right now i'm it's just a repeat repeat and continue to do it over and over and so like i said that's how i ended up working with uh, steve harvey and google it was just repeating the same process the one process that i kept repeating though was being more intentional on how i get referrals yeah because at that point in business that's all that was the only way that i got clients with keisha that's how we ended up connecting together it was someone that knew her that and another person that knew me and they brought us together And so I just kept repeating that process over and over. Till this day, 15 years, I I still get most of my clients through referrals. And so um, I just continue repeating that process. I continue telling my story, being on podcasts, being on stage, but also just telling my story and then doing the dramatic demonstration. And that happens in a lot of different ways. But like storyboard is still a big part of that. But other ways is like one time I wore a cape on stage um just to illustrate a point but but that's what's led to this incredible journey man i've traveled quite a lot um across the world filming different documentaries and different stories and it's it's through that one moment that happened with Keisha it's because of i almost decided to you know give in and quit but what i realized through Keisha is i had the blueprint Yeah. Right. She was doing it every day. I was filming her every single day as she was growing her business. The same marketing and sales principles I learned in those courses after the fact were the same things that she was doing. Um, I just needed to understand how to do it for myself because obviously I wasn't selling lipstick, but I had to learn how to do it for myself. And I had to learn how to how do I paint the picture and cast this vision of what it is that I'm creating for clients.
0: Yeah. And and what people don't realize it, you're right. It really is the same principle. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Like you could yeah. be, you could be a server at a restaurant. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. if you if you have the right the right skills, the right yep. skill set, and actually like truly believe in servicing the people that you're working with. Yeah. You know, because like I've made this restaurants for a long time, and I'd have servers that say, "Oh, I only made a hundred bucks today." I'm like, "You made a hundred, Like so and so made three fifty. So, <laughs> yeah. like, how'd you only make a hundred? You know. Yeah. So, and yeah. it's like we think we have to learn all these new and wonderful things and chase every shiny new object, no. and you and you really don't. Like, that's what why it says up above us. Your true power lies in your story. Mm. You know. And yeah. and th- yeah. that's true. And once people realize that, that's when the breakthroughs happen. Even in fitness, you know, people, yeah. like, people will will come in. I work with mostly women, and they'll come in and they'll say, "Oh, I want to lose 20, 20 pounds," and it's like, "But why?" Oh yeah. well, you know, cause you know my my clothes are tight. Like that's not why, you mm-hmm. know. Like just like you said, you got to get like six, seven, eight layers deep. Yeah. And yeah. once we hit that, then now we can take all of that info and use that as fuel to yep. motivate them throughout yep. class. Like, hey, remember yeah. you told me, you know, your husband hasn't touched you in ninety days. Let's go push that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like that's yeah. what the power is.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's it's what I love about that statement. The true power lies in your story the most powerful story that you could ever tell is the one that you tell in your head. Yeah. That moment with Keisha Dior, when she made a million dollars and I found out I could have been very bitter in that moment. And I, would, and I could have looked at that and said, you know what? Here's the proof that I need to quit because here's a client making a million. I, I I'm barely struggling to make 20,000. Yeah. Of course I'm not good. There's no rate. There's no way I could ever do this. There's no way I could ever get to a million dollars, but because I took that as Instead of proof that I shouldn't do it, I took it as proof that I should because she had gotten value out of it. She was able to grow a big business out of it. I told myself that story and it's that story that led me down this path of of being able to be successful. I think it's the most powerful story that you could ever tell yourself is a story you tell in your head. Just like you said, when you go those layers deep, I love that you said that about, about the woman that you were training because... It's not about she wants to lose weight just to look good. She wants her husband to be attracted to her again. Yes. That's a completely different story than just, oh, I just want to lose weight so I can look good.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Exactly. Like, like, for example, like I work out a lot now too. And the biggest reason why I work out a lot now is because I went through burnout in business. Right. But I, the story I've been telling myself is that that burnout is because I didn't have the endurance to outlast. The tough times or when it gets really stressful. Cause you, you can imagine at this higher level that I play at now, there's higher risks that come with a higher level. Yep. Right. And, but if you have that level of endurance that allows you to play at a higher level, like, and I also mentioned, I read a lot of autobiographies. One thing that I constantly see over and over Jeff Bezos, uh, Bob Iger, the guy that used to run Disney, all these people get up early to work out. Right. They keep their bodies fit. Why is that? Why are these multimillionaires and billionaires who are playing at a high, higher level, keeping their bodies fit? It's because of the stresses that come with it. And if you don't take that time for yourself. It's not if you're not in tune, mind, body and spirit, you're not going to be in tune when it comes to business. And so, yeah, I think it's it's the most powerful story you could ever tell yourself is the one you tell in your head.
0: Yep, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. and and you have to find what your edge is. You know, like yeah. your you no, know, your edge was keeping yourself strong and in tune for business. Like people think just because I own a fitness business that I just love to work out.
2: <laughs> and yeah.
0: and I tell them like I I don't like yeah. you know, I, I don't say, "Oh, I, I can't wait to go smash those weights today." Yeah. I'm, an a- I'm an athlete. Like I said, even at 46, I still play basketball. I still compete mm. in track and field. I run obstacle races. Yeah. And, I, and I know, especially at this age, my, I have to keep my body strong if I yeah. want to keep performing at the level I want to perform at. Yeah. Like when I go up the road to the basketball court and I'm playing with the 20 and the 30 year olds, it's like I can hold my own. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. I had have, have to go, come home and ice my knees after, but but, <laughs> but, but I can hold my own. Damn it!
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, yeah. so like so like that's my edge and that's my my reason. And yeah. pe- people always say, you know, find find your why, but I just feel like that saying is just played out. I'm like, what's your edge? Yeah. You know what I mean? And mean, it's like, what's your edge? What's that one thing that you have to do this to get that one thing?
2: Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, what is it? Yeah. You know,
0: so so. You're on, the, you're on the phone, Keisha tells you I just made a million bucks as your car is being <laughs> towed away, right? Yeah so, yeah. so how did you, I mean, you told it a little, but how did you f- totally flip that into a positive?
2: Yeah, I just saw it as, I saw that moment as you know how oftentimes, like, because up until that point, I had only seen something like that happen on TV. Yeah. And I was just like, that could never happen in real life. But to me, what it was, was God telling me or proving to me that, no, you can do this. Like, yeah, I could give up and I would have never traveled to all the places that I've ever been to in the world. And traveling was something else that unlocked a lot in my mind, too. But I think it was just, what is the good? that? Because I honestly couldn't believe it was happening. And I was like, what is the good that comes from this? If she's made a million dollars, how is that even possible that she's made a million dollars? Instead of me thinking, oh, okay, honestly, the, mind, the 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 idea of quitting after that moment never crossed my mind, and it, it was I think it was just because I needed to, as a detective, I needed to figure out well, how is this really true that she made a million? And I was like, how was she able to do it? And I so I I learned probably the most powerful thing in business is leverage. Yeah, he shouldn't just upload the documentary to YouTube and was just and sat back and hope it went viral. She was promoting the documentary every single day at the time. She was only using Twitter, so promoting it every single day. Yeah. And even part three of that documentary series um, came out in 2013. I remember in 2017, she was still promoting part three.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So almost five years later, she's still promoting part three of that docuseries. So for me, it was like, okay, She took this one thing that I gave her and made use of it in multiple different ways. How could I? How could I create leverage in my own business? And then I remember reading um, uh, Jay Abraham's book called uh, Getting Everything You Can out of Everything You've Got. Okay. And he talks he has a couple of different stories of how these businesses were able to remix like FedEx was able to learn from the banking industry to create next day service. Right. And, I, and those things, those patterns that I kept seeing, I was just like, OK, how can I create the same things in my business? So for me, it was, it wasn't just, okay, Keisha made a million dollars. I only made 20,000. It wasn't, it wasn't even in my mind, like, oh, I should ask Keisha for 50,000. It was more of like, how do I show the value that I create for other people? Because there's value there. Uh, yep. But <laughs> how do I illustrate that value in a way that I can now leverage Keisha's project to make more money?
0: yeah
3: right
2: and and that's for me that's all it was It was just how can I take the good out of this like yes, my car just got repossessed um, but like you said like it, it sometimes you you just have to even though your car hadn't got repossessed your 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 house is in foreclosure like how do you look at this and say no, there's something different there's a different outcome that can come out of here if I can just switch this reference switch that the, the way that that I see this the way that the visual is happening in my mind, then I can make it to the other side. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when bad things happen, I I always say, all right, now what you're going to do? Yep. You know what you're going to know. I can sit here and cry that this happened or I can get to work.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So sometimes especially for someone like me i'm a procrastinator you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I've, I've never been known for, for my for my organization my desk right and this this all looks fine and dandy but yeah my desk is a hot mess right now <laughs> and like the, the only thing really that's the most organized in my life is my podcast schedule yeah, so yeah. Like, like, I have a calendar up here, and I have all the names written down, what, what episode it is. Like, that stuff is great. Everything else is a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, and I'm raising f- five kids, and I'm single. You know, so it's like, it's like constantly on the go, on the go, on right, the go. Right. yeah. So, so, like, when things happen, it's like, all right, stop, breathe, what do we do? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, like, I'm never dwelling on the issue. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. how do we move past the issue? Yeah. And then I can write a story about it.
2: Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think I'm wired the same way where it's just not so much that I, I stop and I think of the issue, but it's just like, how do I? OK, what's the next step? Because you can sit and think about the issue all day long. But yeah. if you're not trying to solve that problem, what is the problem? And did I really want to quit or was I looking for a way to figure everything out, to figure out what? Do, how do I do this? How do I make more than twenty thousand dollars a year at that point? Um, and yeah. to make it consistently, like you hear $20,000 and you got to make car payments. Like that's not something you can't not make car payments on. Right. But yeah. it was, I wasn't making the money consistently. It would come in and then it would be a few months where it wasn't coming in. Yeah, I think that um for me, yeah, it just was a, always like, just like a detective, right? Like I said, I watched those shows and those shows really framed my mind. It wasn't so much of like, yeah, this crime happened and it was, it's weird how it happened doesn't understand like it's bad that this person had to die it was more of like okay but why like what can we figure out like how do we take these steps look back in time and look at okay this is why this worked Mm -hmm. how did Keisha it wasn't just like I mentioned leverage Keisha made a million dollars off of leverage but it was still like her story that I was telling Mm -hmm. we didn't focus her documentary on the lipstick alone like it's what the lipstick represented and for her the lipstick represented independence and and um being comfortable living in the skin that you're in and, and women empowerment and it's all these messages that she gave and and how she even created the lipstick was that she couldn't find blue lipstick she was wearing this outfit she knew she wanted blue lipstick she couldn't find it she ended up going out to an event she created the lipstick like on the fly went out to an event wore it and people kept asking her well hey where did you get that like i would want to buy something like that and that's where she realized, like, not only people loved that she was wearing it, but other people wanted to wear it. Like, other people saw her fashion and saw her look and was, and fell in love with it. So it's her telling her story that was, like, that piece of it was the most important piece of the documentary. That's why she was able to leverage it in all these different places. Yeah, breaking man, that definitely. Breaking that down, I think, helped me understand, even when I'm selling it to another client, I'm not selling you a video or docu series. I'm barely even selling you a story. What I'm selling you is transformation, yeah. because if you can tell your story of transformation, it will help others believe in what you have. Not only tell the story, but show the story. It'll help others believe in what you have so that they'll buy from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. So so tell tell me how you got the gig with Steve Harvey.
2: Yeah, so the gig with Steve Harvey was through, like I said, through referral. So I had another client who, um, that client, his name is Jeff Johnson. He wrote, he co-wrote the book, uh, Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success with with Steve Harvey. Yeah. And um, at the time, Steve Harvey was going on tour to promote the book. Jeff Johnson, uh, Steve Harvey had mentioned that he was looking to not just, you know, get somebody to kind of document the behind the scenes, but also tell the story from it. Yeah. Because they had a bigger vision for the Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. And Jeff Johnson had already worked with me. He knew me. And so he recommended me for that project. And and so we filmed in Chicago um, with Steve Harvey, with uh, him releasing the book and signing and doing a book signing. But in the background, you're listening to the story of uh, that moment for him, his big transition moment, which was uh, the first time he ever hosted the showtime at the apollo which was his big break at that time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right before then he was homeless for 3 years. He was living out of his car. And then yeah. he got the call from Showtime at the Apollo um, to come and host it. And so we you're listening to that story in the background. Um but yeah that's how I got so it was again it was just uh Jeff Johnson knew me. I still had to pitch the idea like it wasn't just um they kind of had a wee, a a a loose idea of what they wanted to create, but I came in and pitched how we could do it. Just because I had, be, they'd given me some content of, um, different speeches that he'd given over that time. And I was like, yeah, but this story is the most important story. Cause it's also the story that's told in the book, yeah, the same book. Um, and so that ended up, uh, we worked together for three years, but I, I worked behind the scenes with him and his uh, production company at the time where he was producing different TV shows and we would create the concepts for those TV shows. Um, without having filmed any content. Like he had Man Cave on BET and that was created purely off of concept, not off of any footage that had been created. Um, and it was purely concept of uh, stories that I'd seen online on YouTube that I put together to create the concept of what the show would be. But we ended up doing that for three years. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Right,
0: so so who's you, who'd your target market?
2: Target market is entrepreneurs who are in the seven and eight figure range. Um, looking to elevate their personal brand and get to the next level and telling their story. Like it's not about making more money as much as it's about making more impact. Um, they are purpose-driven entrepreneurs. So right now I'm working with like a, a business coach out of Delaware. Her name is Danielle Jervy Harmon, and she's growing her company to 10 million, but it's, it's not about that as much as it's about helping entrepreneurs, um, experience financial and spiritual abundance. And that's her big mission. That's her big purpose in life. And so it's, it's entrepreneurs like that who have a big mission, big purpose, um, looking to tell their story. They're doing great work in the world. And I come in and document it for six months, a year, and we end up creating a docuseries out of that um, that gets featured in a lot of different places. But, but that's, that's the overall uh, client that I attract.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I just I just wrote down seven names that, as you were talking that I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll connect you with after this.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and
0: like once I go back through my my older podcast, because I've I've had quite a few people in that in that business range. Yeah. That um I'll connect you with.
2: Awesome. I appreciate that. There. Yeah. I mean is yeah, the perfect client is is like they're looking to rebrand. They're looking to tell their like I said, tell their story in a different way. Um and that's what makes them like, they haven't leveraged, truly leveraged the power of their story. And that's the client that I'm looking for is the one that they know they have a great story, but they haven't figured out a way to tell it. And to tell it in a way that gets gets distributed to the world in a, in a larger way. Um, and so, yeah, I I love telling them, I wake up every day telling those stories. I only work with five clients a year. Um, that also came, that business model, that business structure also came out of what I learned that year. Um, marketing and sales because I realized that I tell the best stories when I can go really deep. Mm. And so when I say I spend six months to a year with my, like I'm spending six months in the depths of their business, I'm spending six months um, being with them at their house and learning about their families and, and seeing how they operate. It's not just about their business side. It's about who they are as a leader, who they are as a CEO and as a leader, who they are as a human being. Um, that's really what i hope to illustrate through these docu series that i create. Nice.
0: Yeah. Good good stuff. So, do you have a team that works with you?
2: Yeah, so it depends on the project, but right now i have an editing team um, that edits all of my projects and then i'm mostly on site filming with the client. I travel to where they wherever they are. So like with Danielle i film with her in Delaware. Next week i'll be in St. Louis with filming one of her clients in St. Louis. Um and so yeah, i i film depending on the project, it's me another filmmaker. And then I have a a team of uh, three that edits my projects.
0: Nice. And then where do do you see see yourself going from here?
2: So in the next few months, I'm releasing a book on dramatic demonstration of proof. So the way that I tell these transformational stories, it's the behind the scenes of three different documentary series that I've created, Um, continuing to speak on larger stages and podcasts. um, And I think You know, next level for me, honestly, that I think about a lot is producing a docuseries that gets released on Netflix. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's the stories that I tell. I love every I love telling the stories. I love being able to come on podcasts and tell these same stories. I think next level is just continuing to do that at a higher level. That's why I'm releasing the book. That's why, um, you know, I I think about producing a docuseries for Netflix. Um, That's the next level for me.
0: So what would you say to to someone, a young, a young student aspiring to get into video production, editing and all that?
2: The one thing I would say that I always because I I have a few people that I mentor now is get out of your own way. Mm. Get out of your own. So those first five years that I struggled, I struggled not just because I didn't understand how to make money. I didn't understand how to ask for help. Um, and so I have seen the value in business coaches. I've seen the value in having mentors, um, just like you mentioned with like working with Eric Thomas, having a mentor who can, who can show you how to tell your own story. I've, I've I've seen, I've had mentors specifically in the business realm. Like when I went looking for courses, I didn't look for how could I tell better stories or or make my cinematography look better. I looked at how could I learn the business side of filmmaking. Um, and I think that had I done that sooner, had I just gotten out of my own way and, and didn't have the pride that I that I had at the time to say, oh, I can do this on my own. I didn't need any help. I could get a lot further. I would have gotten a lot of further. And that's part of the reason why I've gotten a lot further now. And so um, get out of your own way, get out of your own head and get out of your own way is what I would say to them. And if you're going to love the second thing I'll say is if you love filmmaking, if you love storytelling, if you love editing. Practice every single day. There's a book called The Slight Edge. There's also a book called The Compound Effect. Same idea is that if you, if you continue to work at your craft every single day, even if you try to get 1% better, that 1% compounds and it adds up, and that's what creates that level of mastery. Um, for me, I, even to this day, I still don't think I've quote unquote made it. I am still learning new things and I'm learning different modes and models of storytelling. To continue to elevate what I do
0: great answer great answer. yeah 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 it's like the only other thing I would add on to that is to just start now yeah you know, to yeah just start yeah I started
2: at 17 so yeah start now there's never uh, uh yes there's never a proper age or the right time um even I mean even with me starting at 17 I didn't necessarily have the support of my family starting at 17 because I was expected to go to college and so yeah it's Again, if you believe in it, and you really know this is what you're meant to do, yeah, for sure. I think that's a that's definitely a good third thing to add: is start now, get started. Don't hold back. Don't think. Don't think you need a degree just to get started. Yeah, there's certain careers where you still need that, like with being a doctor or being a lawyer. But yeah, if for like for me getting started in the industry, I was able to get a big contract at 19 years old from the city of Pompano Beach. It was because I got started. Not because I was worried about oh they wouldn't hire me because I don't have a degree in it. So yeah, definitely I like that. I like that third one too. Yeah, get
0: started. Yes. Yeah, yeah like I'm I'm applying now for um because like my big dream growing up too is I always wanted to be on TV. Oh, okay. I, like, I've been on TV, but not like consistently on TV, yeah, yeah. You know? And and so, like, I'm lo- looking for a talk show host jobs so, because, like, I oh, I, okay. I would love to do that. Like, I mean, this is kind of what I do here, yeah, and, yeah. And that's something I could do and keep this,
2: you right? Know? So, yeah.
0: And you know, a lot of them are looking for bachelor's degrees and everything else. I apply anyway, yeah, because uh, I was like, I have my own podcast, I've been speaking for well over a decade, so I have yep. no problem in front of the camera. Anything else behind the scenes, I can learn it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. you
0: know. So it's like I'm not I'm not gonna not put my foot my foot forward because they're looking for a certain qualification. That's where you gotta just walk in the door and blow them away.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know. And
0: so, like, I think with a lot lot of younger kids, especially now, because you know they they're growing up in the texting and email age. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas. I grew up before all of that stuff. So, you know, I'm used to, to putting myself out there. Like I mentioned the young kid out of Colorado that I'm working with, you know, uh, he's, he's slowly coming out of his shell, yeah. but, but like you can tell he's not comfortable speaking about himself. Yeah. But we did a mock interview yesterday and by the end of it, you know, he was sitting more upright and like, you mm-hmm. know, you, like you could tell he was speaking with passion because his face was glowing and stuff. Yeah. But like, if that's one thing that I can implore to the younger people is to master how to tell your personal stories because they're going to come up in every facet of life until you pass.
2: Yep. Yep. It doesn't matter what career you decide to do next. Even if let's say you transition from filmmaking to something else, like your story is the most powerful thing that you have and you can continue to leverage it over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you asked me what's next. I don't, even if one thing I thought a lot about is like, uh, In five years, I will have been doing this for 20 years. And it's like, okay, do I want to continue doing this in the same way for another 20 years? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. And if I continue to something else, I still have this story of creating this film production company for 20 years, right? Even if I go and do something else. And so, yeah, I think, like you said, having that confidence to be able to tell your story, it's being able to communicate, right? Like being able to connect and communicate with other people on a deeper level. Yeah that's that's powerful powerful tool
0: saying you said the key word there is connect yeah so many people just talk to talk you know it's like they don't talk to to understand that your story can transform people yeah like there was one i told earlier like fridays we do obstacle conditioning at at my gym yeah and so like we have rings we have a rope and, and all that stuff so one of the women she's she gets halfway up the rope and she just stops. You mm. know, and then she comes back down. She gets halfway up and she stops. So she walks in. I'm like, listen, today is the day. Mm. And she's like, um, uh, oh, okay. I, I was like, listen, like, I can't believe for you. It's like, I know you have everything it takes to get up there. Yeah. I said, now you have to believe that you have what it takes to get up there. Yeah. I just went, went into something that, that I struggled with. I was like, I was afraid, but I believed enough in myself to try anyway. And yeah. I ended up doing it. Yeah. I said, so that's you. you know. Yeah. So she wraps in and she goes and she goes I'm like, now keep going. Now keep going. Now keep going. Now keep going. And she rang the bell.
2: Wow. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? But yeah. but, And I said to her, I was like, and now you can go home and tell your husband and your kids that you just did that.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah. So and that level of I pride have. to be able to tell your kids. And yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's there's this. But again, it's the power of her story, though. It's yes. the power of the story that she was telling in her head. And now she gets to tell a different story. Now that she's done it, she gets to tell a different story.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like she yeah. kept trying and failing, tried and failed, tried again, came down again, and then finally got the courage to go all the way. Yeah. Like, you know, here's a woman in her 30s. She rings the bell and her lit up like a christmas tree you
2: know? <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> i was like see all, all that struggle was worth it for that one moment and that was just ringing a bell <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know? so imagine actually grinding for something that you're truly passionate about and yep. then it finally starts to unfold and yeah. then you can tell that whole journey about how you got there yeah you know and then you yeah. can inspire someone else to
2: do it yeah to do it yep yep that's that's again that's the power of story that's the power of storytelling yeah
0: absolutely all right so give us a final word here
2: yeah um it has been an amazing time just having an opportunity to share parts of my story but also just just in sharing um storytelling and like i said the most powerful story is the story that you could tell yourself the one that you tell in your head um there's a good side and a bad side. Always look for the positive, always look for the good side of that story. And how do you share, how do you not only share the story but how do you um, win in that story? And so get out there and share your story every single day. Don't be afraid, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, yeah, that's, that's the last word I'd leave you with is go out and share your story with others and continue to communi- communicate and connect with others.
0: Awesome. Love it, man. Thank you very much for uh, joining, sharing your experience, sharing your stories with us. Much appreciated. Yes.
2: Thank you for having me, Robert. It's, it's definitely a fun time.
0: Awesome. Um, don't don't sign out, though. Cool. All I'll right. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, man. Have a great day.
2: All right. All
0: right. All right. So that was Jude joining us from Pompano Beach, Florida. Storytelling coach documentary uh docu film series uh i just completely hacked up what his title is but he makes films and documentaries <laughs> and there we go <laughs> that once again going live Co- comes back to bite you every now and then but but, anyways if you're tuning in late make sure you go back and watch the entire thing so great story great information and uh, you're gonna get a lot out of it so we're gonna be back on sunday with michelle And we're going to dive into her backstory. And again, this is all for you all, how you can become better, how you can become more confident, and how you can step into your greatness. So this is Rob signing off with episode 92. Have a great day.
3: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.
0: on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. till next
3: time shut up and grind. Titus
2: mm.
3: If you have it in your joints they call it bursitis. Do you see where I'm going on this? Yes. That's why you have 900 diseases with different names, and the same cause is shame and guilt.
0: Gotcha. It's a solid, it's a solid mic drop right there. <laughs>
3: and, and your mind's going, Ugh, one's good, one's bad. And you'll never get resolution, will you? No. no. And who thinks guilt is a good thing? Oh, a lot of people. A lot of people <laughs> say guilt is, we need more guilt in our world because people are not moral. Oh, I don't don't even get me started. Yeah, we'll, <laughs>
0: we'll have to we'll have to have you back on hey, again and uh, can continue the discussion.
3: <laughs> okay, so since shame is in the unconscious mind and guilt's in the conscious mind, they call it different things, but it's shame, guilt, energy. It's all bad. Yes, you can't have one a healthy poison. That's what I just say. It's a Nazi moron.
0: Yeah. See, and you've said this word a couple times throughout the show about the word release, you know, you got to release, let it go.
3: But you got to find it first to release it. That's, that's true too. And, and I I feel, I feel
0: like people know they just don't want to accept it. So they They don't carry
3: it. Well, I think it's because of that particular thing that we just talked about. We've been educated that guilt is good and shame. So why should we get rid of something that's good for me? Mm. Do you see the problem? Yes. Yeah. Culture has really done it to us. It's so true. Guilt is good. Shame is bad. So I can't get rid of shame because guilt is good. And it messes your brain up so much you just say, I give up. (laughs) true (laughs) i really feel like that's the reason why people don't want to address it because inherently humanity is good humanity i want to help you yeah i mean that's just because that's my humanness and you want to help your clients and you want to help your kids we all are giving to the point of a fault sometimes so yeah. we want to keep our we want to keep the guilt because we want to be moral. But we've been told that's the only way you can be moral. And I'm going that don't work. But you were trained that way, so you got to change your brain.
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly. And that's what I'm
3: doing with the podcast. Yep. Is it going to happen like that? Well, at least you're going down the right road now.
0: Yeah, at least you're planting the seed.
3: Exactly.
0: And then over time it can start to blossom.
3: Yes. Shame guilt is the same energy. They're both bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you gotta find it. You gotta release it and, let and, that avoid, it. It. and avoid, avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Yeah. And let that love energy take over. I do. When I'm out in public, this is what I wear. This is me. Like I'm not rent I'm not managing restaurants anymore. I don't have to wear a three-piece suit. I don't have to wear a shirt shirt and a tie. You know, it's like, this is me. And I haven't had not one podcast that I've been on like right. other, other where someone was like, you know, I wish you dressed up more because yeah. <laughs> you know? like the stuff that comes out of my mouth will have people looking past the tank top. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and what you said, that's, that's
1: exactly what I had to do. It's, and it's like, if for me to be in a particular situation, I need to make a change, then let's talk about that change. And does that change change me or is it going to be something different? For example, and I can give you my salsa. When I first went to my manufacturer, even though he's he's a friend now, they wanted me to put preservatives in it. My ex who stole the money said, well, you could make more money if you put preservatives in it and you do this. And I was like, no, I'm not. This like I said, this is in. The, this was in the year 2002. So that goes yeah. to show you how long ago that was. And I said, no, I wouldn't, I will not because I know what it does to you. And that's before the big hype in it, but that's because of how I was raised and what I was taught. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And I had to, to sign a document saying, I'll be fully responsible. That's how confident I was and still am in my own products and that's the thing i every product that i put out there it's a product that my family uses i don't yes. put anything out there that they're not using themselves i don't do it you know and i'm very conscious of that because i also have uh, grandchildren who have allergies so even when i'm doing things i make sure that there's no cross contamination this is sterilized that's sterilized you know i do all these things because i'm also giving it to my family you know so for me that's my standard and people who have followed me all these years from when I did the Food Network and all those things, the reason they will get my products now or will call me up, they've even moved, some have moved to other states and they'll call me or they'll send me a text message on Facebook. When are your products coming back out? When is the also going to be back in the store? Mm-hmm. Because they know that that's my standard, yes. you know, and, and I won't, I won't change what my standard is. So if a person says, okay, we can do this, but you have to make this change. I have to look at, is that change going to change me, or is it going to compromise my standard? If it's going to compromise my standard, then I am not going to do it. I just won't. I, I won't do it. I'll just say, and I've walked away, and, and this is true, I've walked away from a multi-million-dollar deal because I refused to lower my standards. I could have had all the money, and I said, no. I said, you can't buy me. You can't buy
0: my standard. Yep. I won't do it. Exactly. When I first opened my, my, my gym, I, I did have two business partners. And then same thing. I mean, they didn't steal from me. But, you know, there was, a, there was an 18-month legal battle, put it that way. Right. And right. so, it. but part, part of it was they kept wanting to do things just to boost revenue. And I was right. like, what